Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls, and joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Mary Shackleton, and let me give you a little background about my guest today. She is the founder of Holistica Integrative Care, has been practicing naturopathic medicine for 25 years in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Her current focus is on environmental medicine and the conditions associated with toxic exposures, including autoimmunity, infertility, chronic fatigue, cognitive decline, hormone imbalances, mitochondrial dysfunction, and neurologic conditions. Oh my gosh, the, the environmental exposures have to do with everything, right? So yep. Dr. Shackleton, welcome so much to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. I think our topic today is really, uh, I think, of critical importance in this day and age. And I want to talk a little bit about fertility and preconception care. And just to give folks a little bit of background, I, I think our timing's perfect. I've actually been listening uh, to an audiobook uh, called Countdown. Yeah, and, I know that uh, book. It's a, a fantastic book by Dr. Shanna Swan, and she yeah. is a researcher. She's a PhD, and she and her team uh, published really, I think, a landmark study in 2017 that really kind of helped pinpoint how chemical exposure is affecting specifically men's sperm count. And, you know, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. It's basically men's sperm count has dropped drastically over the last several decades by literally more than 50%. Average sperm count used to be around 100 million, I think, in the 1950s, 1960s. And now the average is about, I think, 20 to 30 million. So we've got this red flag that's waving in our face uh, about, you know, fertility issues. And of course, the I, I can't remember what her statistic was on what people are now spending in assisted reproductive technologies. I think it's over 30 billion in the United States alone. So... Um, with that in mind, <laughs> why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, what is it that's going on in the environment that's, you know, contributing to this massive decline in fertility rates? Well, yeah, it's, the picture's not any rosier for women. So yeah. ovarian, um, the the impact of chemicals on the ovary are really significant. And in Dr. Swan's book, she talks about some of the common things that we're exposed to. And she she really was focused on sperm health, which is great because right. I think her was really one of the first of its kind, but so important. But she, in her book, she talks about some of the same stuff that I do. But one of the things that she really clued in on is like, for example, marijuana. Um, if somebody uses marijuana one time per week, their sperm count goes down by 28%. So magnify that if they're a chronic user. So these things are the everyday chemicals, but also the, the chemicals that we are involuntarily exposed to, such as, you know, in, industrial pollutants, heavy metals, those types of things are um, impacting fertility. And some of the things we have a great deal of control over. So some of the endocrine disrupting hormones like phthalates and plastics and fragrances that women are willingly using. My, my goal is really to help women see that there are other things that they can use and it does impact fertility. So we are looking at kind of this huge birth gap, um, which is the the difference between the aged and the young population. And so we're looking at pretty much, I mean, what what researchers have focused on here is an economic world collapse in a couple of generations because we will no longer have enough younger children to take care of the older children. So women are not having babies at the replacement value, which is two per woman. And that is changing for a number of reasons, but fertility and unexplained fertility is is a big part of that. So our 
uh, the potential for our generation to uh, be reduced by 50% in two years, uh, two generations, if we don't address this reproductive um, fertility gap. And so it's not something that's making headline news because it's so far off. We can't really feel it. It's so, it's intangible, but it, I think if you look at the rates that people are relying on fertility specialists, that should be a clue to all of us. That's very unusual. Like from, from any other time in the, the span of human history, we have never re relied on fertility specialists to have babies. And now we really are. I know. I can't remember the movie, but uh, I know there's some sci-fi movie out there that, you know, basically the only way to have a child in the future is through some sort of reproductive technology. And, you know, gosh, I hope we're not <laughs> devolving to that point. But at the rate things have changed, you know, it's conceivable. And again, I, I think it's very concerning. And, you know, you and I both come from a camp of, you know, prevention is the best medicine. So for a woman in particular, you know, who's not at that point where they're actively trying to conceive, you know, what should she be thinking about in ter terms of preconception care? Are there things that she can be doing now to hopefully, you know, increase at least her part of the fertility picture? Yes, good question. That was actually the genesis of this book. So I, I also have a background in public health, which is also very prevention-oriented. Fertility specialists are not asking the question, why can't you get pregnant? They're just figuring out, like, like how do we get you pregnant? So you and I look upstream to, like, why? Why, why, why? And um, there's a lot that women can do to reduce their exposure, which reduces their um, – which improves egg count, the quality of the eggs, um, the, the risk of miscarriage is lowered, all of those things. And the critical time period is not – a month before you want to conceive, it's a year before you want to conceive. So let's say that you have like a heavy metal burden because you love sushi. Let's say that you have, um, you know, a lot of uh, fragrance fragrances in your personal care routine, and those are causing endocrine disruption. That is all reversible. So the good news is, I always, the eternal optimist in me is like, well, what can we do? There's always something, right? Your body knows how to heal. You remove the obstacles, and your body will heal. And so being really careful about nutrient intake, um, being really careful. I mean, I have I have kids in their in my tw in their twenties, and I'm watching them and their friends, and I'm like, you guys need to be careful about substance use and all these things because it does impact your eggs. So ten years from now, your eggs will remember these types of exposures. So eating really well, watching um, the macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat. You know, the the fad diets come and go, but your ovaries don't forget that, and so. What's really important is for women to, um, if you plan on conceiving, make sure you're getting good, adequate nutrient um, exposure on a regular basis and our food is deficient. So it might require some supplementation. And so naturopathic physicians all over the country are available to help, but to make sure that you're focused on your nutrition and, and in particular, when people do fad diets, they don't eat fat or they don't eat carbs, that impacts your ability to detox and that's what we're talking about here is making sure that your five pathways of elimination are open, liver, kidney, gut, skin, lymph, all of that helps with the excretion of what we're exposed to, but also really being careful about what you are exposed to. Some things we can't avoid, of course, but there's a lot of things we can't avoid. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, go for the low hanging fruit, you know, the stuff that you absolutely can control, what you put on your hair and your skin and in your mouth. For all the external pollutants, pesticides, herbicides, you know, depending on where you live in the world, that may be harder to control. 
But, you know, the more you can control inside and outside the home, again, what you put in and on you, you know, that can make a huge difference. And I think, you know, when I look at Stephanie Sennis work about just eating organic, you know, the fact it can drop your glyphosate levels significantly. And the fact that they've got this now very strong association with glyphosate and autism, you know, it's not proof, but it's certainly, you know, her correlation was like 99%. That's right. That's pretty scary. So, you know, obviously what's happening early, you know, in that preconception time period can have a tremendous impact, not just on your, your having a successful baby or, you know, successful birth, but, you know, in terms of the development of the baby and what goes on in the baby's brain during that whole time period, it's just so important what, you know, particularly mom gets exposed to for that nine months duration. And if we can start, you know, improving your health before that time even comes, I think you're just giving yourself a leg up on having a healthy baby, successful pregnancy, and eliminating some of these other factors that come into play. Absolutely. I, I um, the, the second reason that I felt compelled to write this book was, and I'm sure you see this too, the number of people that come in with cognitive dysfunction in their 40s and 50s. Didn't used to see that in the first decade of my practice. And um, again, looking upstream, why is that? Were they coming in with a higher total body burden of toxins from birth? And um, what if a new generation was born that did not have such significant exposure in utero? What would that change in terms of neural inflammation? And, you know, obviously there's great research that ties toxin exposure to autism, but also to ADD, which again is extremely, um, 11% of all kids have ADD. So that's not normal either. So what what is going on? The one thing that we can all point to is the change in exposure. So air, food, and water are big ones. And then self-care products are their whole conversation in and of themselves. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about sort of babies' neurological development. Again, the, the fact that we're seeing autism, ADD, really all of these neurological, neuroinflammatory conditions in young people uh, in this day and age you know, how much are these environmental toxins contributing? And I know it's hard to prove, but, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, how much of this environmental influence is causing what we're seeing in our children today? I mean, because I've been head down in this research for several years now, I would say a huge percentage, an enormous percentage. And one of the problems with the research is that they will study one chemical and it's a relationship to ADD, but we never get exposed to one chemical. So, you know, they've done cord sampling at the time of birth through the um, umbilical cord and found hundreds of chemicals. We don't know how those operate together. And so that's really something for the consumer to be aware of. You know, for example, fragrance can have up to 300 chemicals. It's a protected trademarked um, category. And so in the 1950s, Chanel fought against having any kind of requirement around listing which chemicals so they could put anything in their fragrances. And so that still persists today. And when you see fragrance on any label, you're going to walk the other way. There are beautiful products available now at the grocery store as well as at high-end level. So we we have lots of options, but the, the toxic exposure in utero does cause neuroinflammatory disorders. And that translates into ADD, autism, anxiety, hearing disorders. It's a spectrum of presentation. Yeah, I think it's in people people it's important for people to understand that you know our brain is a big glob of fat and I think what makes these chemicals 
even more problematic is so many of them are fat soluble, which means when we get that exposure, it goes to the fatty areas of our body and the brain being a big blob of fat is primarily, you know, the organ of deposition. So when we get exposed to these pesticides and herbicides and fragrances and other chemicals in the environment, so many of them just tend to go into the brain. And of course, the baby's brain, which remember, you know, baby's born, it's got a huge melon, right? Huge head because they got this big brain. And those those cells are taking up all those chemicals that can interfere with all the things that are supposed to happen in our neurons to help the baby, you know, develop the way they're supposed to. So uh, again, I don't think we can under uh, state how important it is to make sure that we are making mom's environment, her body, the most hospitable host for the baby to help prevent all those chemicals from infiltrating the nervous system. Exactly. And then there are things like the MTHFR gene, which we know about, and I wish there was more widespread information. I just talked to a patient who has a homozygous um, MTHFR C6717. She was, um, she had her first miscarriage and I was like, okay, well, you know, we, I didn't, I didn't get to you in time, <laughs> but now that we know this, um, we know how to address this. So her baby, her baby, when she gets pregnant is actually as a successful pregnancy, her baby will be neurologically healthier for understanding this genetic predisposition that she has. So that's also included in my book, which tests that you should have preconception. And some of them um, are specialty tests that look at heavy metal toxicity and nutrient uh, status and um, gut function and all those things impact your health. And if your health is optimized, your baby's health will be optimized. And that's just kind of, you know, bottom line. But my my hope is to to have women shift their paradigm from, um, you know, coming in, sitting in my chair and saying, I'm going to get pregnant next month and I want to do a detox. And I always send them away, <laughs> come back <laughs> when I have a year because it didn't take a month to get these toxins in. They've been accumulating your entire life. And it doesn't matter what kind of life you've led, they are there. And um, we need a year to coax them out safely. And so we also have to know what we're, we're detoxing. And so that takes some time. And it, you know, it takes time to get these things out of your home and to change your behaviors and to have your people in your life. Um, onboarding your partner is a big conversation. How do we get your partner to to agree to these changes that will affect your family forever? Um, sadly, you know, people get real motivated when they have a baby that has an issue. And then they're right. paying attention. So, and this is human nature. It is. So, you know, I'm hoping that most people will be interested in this topic as a preventative, but um, we can do something like 18% of people with one baby on the spectrum will have another baby on the spectrum. So for that family that's looking at baby number two, there's a lot you can do also to reduce the risks of that happening. I've also had parents say, well, what's wrong with ADD and autism? I'm like, well, you might not choose that in the yeah. multiple choice question. You know, they were that nothing wrong with it, but it requires a whole different level of care and resources, and um, can be very challenging depending on how severe it is. So, again, I'm super prevention oriented, and I I just feel like all of our answers are here. We know what nutrients drive detox. We know how to get things out, and um, you know it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. It really doesn't. Yeah, well, I'd say when I was listening to Countdown, the book, it's very hard not to get depressed when you, you start hearing the statistics on what's going on, not just in the United States, but around the world with fertility rates. And like I said, I, I think it's very alarming. 
But I said, there's always the silver lining, right? There's a lot of things we can do. And of course, you and I both know that there is so much we can do to help control our environment. So maybe walk us through a little bit about your process. You know, when you're working with patients and it's preconception care, you know, they haven't actively tried yet. Uh, obviously, if you can avoid, you know, putting your body in harm's way and having exposure to the chemicals, that's always the best preventive medicine. But for people who've already had that exposure, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they grew up on near a farm or they've had heavy metal exposure, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, what is the best way to kind of proceed on doing a detox program? And really, should everybody be thinking about doing a detox program? Yeah, I kind of used to think that detox was a luxury. And now I don't feel like we have a choice just because we're bombarded. And as we know, genetics vary between people. So some people are more sensitive than others. And the sensitive people tend to be in our offices. And so they tend to have chronic illness. They tend to have other issues. So um, so the the process starts with identifying the, the type of exposure and the extent. So again, family history, a, a deep dive on the family history. What were your grandparents' occupations? Because if they were farmers, we know um, that that transference of chemicals does come in the maternal line. And so if your mother, your grandmother, your great-grandmother was exposed, typically great-grandmothers were not because the chemicals really became popular in the 50s. But, you know, looking at family history, seeing if there's any clues there. We can also get clues about genetics often in a family history. Um, and then um, looking at current day exposures, what are you, what's your life like? What, you know, detailed, obviously diet, nutrients, gut studies, because we can tell really how robust and vital a patient is based on what's going on in their gut. And um, then we, we can kind of look at what's your heavy metal exposure like. That's actually a bigger problem than I anticipated. I usually used to do heavy metal testing on people with neurologic presentations, but now I'm doing it on healthy people and just seeing the extent is is pretty significant. And so I used to really think it was people in their 50s and 60s that needed to do heavy metal detox. Now it's, you know, much younger. So, um, you know, so basically it's individualized. Yet this book is a how-to guide. So you can walk yourself through it. Sometimes you're going to need a practitioner to order some tests for you. Um, let's say that you live in the middle of nowhere. You have no access to a naturopathic physician. You'll get a lot under, of understanding through this um, this book. And then it does really um, have some explicit instructions for nutrient repletion and things that support detoxification, nutrients that support detox. So it is it is designed so that you can, you know, start to finish walk through yourself. Um, if you have the aid of a naturopathic physician, even better. What about a mom who recently found out she's pregnant and she's hearing this information? She's like, oh my gosh, I've been exposed to all these chemicals. I should start detoxing now. Mm-hmm. So she's already a mother? Already pregnant. Oh, already pregnant. Yeah, that's a tough one. I would really focus on food. Food <laughs> and elimination. So food does drive detox. Um, sometimes people, you know, don't realize that protein is really crucial for detoxification. They want to do a water fast to detox. That's not something I recommend. Um, so you can probably, I wouldn't recommend detoxing while you're pregnant because you don't want as many chemicals as we have stored to flood that baby. The baby is exposed to everything. We used to think the placenta was this magically protected kingdom. No, no, no. Everything gets through in the um, maternal fetal circulation. So um, I would focus on avoidance of chemicals. So the baby is protected while in utero 
and I would avoid things like saunas and things that upregulate detoxification. And I would I would take nutrients, such simple things like vitamin C. We know that's safe in pregnancy. That's actually a really good detoxifier. Um, and I would focus on dark green leafy vegetables. Actually, there's a lot of detoxification uh, phytochemicals and I know food can heal you. So, and you can't really hurt yourself with food. Like you could hurt yourself with supplements and things during pregnancy. I would focus on food. Yeah. Can you talk specifically about glutathione? I get this question all the time, you know, because a lot of women were taking glutathione before they were pregnant, you know, it's obviously very helpful for mobilizing different toxins out of tissue, but what do you think about during pregnancy? I would say no. We make glutathione. I think that's what makes it confusing. It's like, if we make it, why isn't it safe to take it? Well, because that could upregulate your excretion of chemicals and we don't want that. And so there's other ways to support um, detoxification, such like I, I go back to vitamin C or green tea or, you know, other things that are very helpful, but glutathione, I would steer away from in pregnancy. I know it's tempting, but it's just picture everything going to the placenta and then you won't do it. <laughs> exactly. Well, I agree. And I give the same advice. I think it's a great nutrient, but during pregnancy and especially during that first trimester, I mean, remember first trimester is when all the baby bits are being put together and formed. Um, I suppose there might be an argument of using it after you get through the second trimester, but even then I, I tend to err on the side of caution and say, just wait until the baby's born and even till after breastfeeding. Cause again, if you start mobilizing a bunch of toxins while you're breastfeeding, breast milk is very fat dense and those fat soluble toxins can get deposited into breast milk. And then you can have a different kind of problem by exposing the baby that way. Exactly. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Just be careful. We have very few studies on what is safe during pregnancy. We know what it does when you're not pregnant, and that's what we're relying on to make our recommendations for pregnancy. But I think something like um, German chamomile and garlic are the only herbs studied in pregnancy and considered as safe, which is crazy because obviously there's going to be other herbs that are safe in pregnancy. But But we really just, I think people don't really want to study that. There's a lot of liability involved. Like, oops, sorry, we studied that herb in you and we realized that it causes this kind of birth defect. Whoops. I don't think anybody's up for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know people listening, you know, are going to want to know more. And you've written a book. It's called Preconception Cleanse, Detoxify Your Life Inside and Out for the Optimal Health of Your Baby. And uh, it's a great resource. I think people are going to get a lot of useful information. Again, I like the fact that you walk people through detox programs. Here are some nutrients you can take. Here's kind of food you can eat to help support all your detox pathways. But again, this is something you want to really try and do before you're actively getting, trying to get pregnant. And, you know, I think you said six months, I mean, six months to a year, you know, give your body that time uh, to really cleanse, heal before you start the process. And I like the fact that you mentioned too about, you know, involving your partner. I mean, I think women tend to carry the brunt of yes. that because they carry the baby. But the reality is that men are half of the genetics. So, and exactly. half of, of infertility is male related. So there's so many things that men can do to improve their sperm quality, their count, their morphology, all these things that we know are important for having, you know, healthy fertilization that, that falls on the man too. So getting your partner on board uh, can definitely be helpful. Agreed. I'm glad you you reiterated that because it's true. Very true. So we're going to drop the link uh, for your book in the show notes. I hope you guys check it out. And uh, Dr. Mary, I really appreciate you spending time with us on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Great chat chatting with you. Take care. <laughs>